Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How do you take the sequel to a $1.4 billion grossing superhero movie that was also multi-Oscar winning? We're talking Black Panther. And its star passes away. How do you continue? Producer Nate Moore is telling us how he did it with Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Today on Crew Call. The script... I heard yes. Chadwick gets the script and he doesn't he doesn't read it unfortunately. Yeah, that's right. What was the setup? Was it always the decline of Wakanda being threatened and Ramona dying? Uh it was certainly it was certainly not a dissimilar setup in that Talokan and Namor would find themselves to have a beef with Wakanda. Um and T'Challa would be struggling both with becoming a father, surprisingly, which, which, you know, so, so young T'Challa was still a part of that, that incarnation of the movie. And in fact, the opening was a flashback where you get to see T'Challa come back from the blip and meet him for the first time. So it's a movie very much about a guy who in the first movie struggled with being the son to a father who he, who he found that he didn't know as well as he, he, he thought he did to now a guy who realizes he's a father and has this new relationship with a child who is now being pulled into the world of Wakanda for the first time. I was like, whoa, what is, what's, what's this about? Um, and so it, it was very much a father-son story that was compounded by Namor coming to Wakanda with a very similar problem, right? Vibranium's now out in the world. You've exposed it. And, and as the sovereign of that nation, I have to protect it by any means necessary. So that, that conflict was the same. Namor coming to Wakanda was the same. Um, who was going to, like, who was going to, sort of not make it out of the second act curtain, I think was up for debate a little bit. You know, is it Ramonda? Um, but we, we kind of knew there had to be a big loss there because because it felt like it it both the character wanted it and we wanted to show how dangerous Namor was, right? Like here's a guy of consequence who doesn't just knock buildings down like he takes from you. So So the general structure of the movie didn't change, but clearly thematically the movie completely changed so it's really interesting i was interviewing james gray the director of armageddon time back at can and mm-hmm. he didn't cite marvel he cited dc <laughs> he says do you know can you quote for me any memorable lines from these movies and he was just kind of making the point that in this pop culture of ten poles you know like there are memorable lines from the godfather and everything and all these other movies sure. Let me tell you something. When he says, bury your debt, mourn your losses, you are queen. Oh, my God. That, what a phenomenal line. line. So he, he passes. How, how long did it take to recalibrate? Um, It took, well, that's a, that's a many layered question because there's a lot of recalibration, right? Right. There's like, holy, 
part of my French, like, holy shit, like, what happened? Um, and at first, I remember I would literally, I was on the treadmill and I got the call and I was like, wait, what happened? And then we get on a phone call and you just sort of, your mind is processing it as an idea and not as an emotional experience. Um, uh, Cause you're like, what? And you start to think about all of that. Oh, maybe that's why X and Y and Z was happening. And then you process it emotionally. You go like, what do we do now? Like, do we, should we even make this movie? Like, what do you, how do you respond to the loss of, not just your star, but a friend that you'd made to for me two movies together with, um, and not feel like you're just now making them like going through the motions, and certainly not feel like like to me the the notion of recasting like never crossed my mind because I a I don't think anybody could do it. B I don't think it's fair to any of the best actors in Hollywood to be like okay, so you're T'Challa, stand over there. I couldn't imagine saying to Leticia or Angela or Nakia or, or Lupita, hey, here's the new T'Challa, because we are we are people, you know, uh, uh, who have to make something that we believe in and, and, and emotionally can get behind. Um, but but it was conversations with Ryan and Kevin about, like, what should we do? And and I've said this, and it's true. Disney never said you have to make the movie, so figure it out. They said, well, if you don't have to make don't make the movie, if you guys don't want to make the movie, please don't make the movie on our account. Um, and, and it was after conversations with Simone Bozeman, uh, Chad's widow, and just internally where we kind of, right or not, felt like Chad would have wanted us to make the movie. So now we have to figure out how to make the movie without him. And how do you, how do you narratively then, if, if we didn't want to chat on the movie, which we didn't, how do you narratively then address that absence in a way that felt honest? You know, because another early idea was, well, maybe he got killed in an action sequence we didn't see. And you're like, well, that's not, <laughs> that feels crazy. You know what I mean? Like, because your mind is always going to fight the reality of what we all experienced as as a community. You played it for real. Yeah, because that was the only way that felt authentic. And we knew we had a, a reaction to the passing, but clearly the world did, or at least his fans did. So it felt like the most genuine thing we could do as storytellers is is use that a little bit as fuel in a way that hopefully respected the reality of the situation and we cleared everything with Simone at every step of the way because we at no point did we want to do something where the family said whoa 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 don't do that um but also allowed the the characters to grieve and experience the thing that the people experienced um hopefully in a way that ultimately is cathartic kevin has said in previous interviews that he says at any given point, any Marvel film, this was back, so, so you know when he said this, this was back when um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 came out. Sure. There was a big press gathering, and he said at any point in time, we've made the worst film in the world. And there's an old, there's an old Disney motto called plussing. How can we make this better? How can we make this better? And that was the philosophy. And by the way, during mm -hmm. this they showed us then very early footage of, of Black Panther, which was really cool. Yes. And so, look, a lot of films were coming off the, the assembly line here. You know, it was really good. You guys could get back up into production in Australia and, and even Georgia, you know, with the COVID of it all. And, mm -hmm. you know, some things were perfect and some things were not. And mm -hmm. then this film hits. And I mm -hmm. felt like you guys really buckled down on this and said, mm. we got to make this right for him. We have to do mm -hmm. that. 
I, I just, I, I, I felt that. Yeah, it's true. And it, and it's, um, sort of to our earlier conversation, even in the first incarnation of this movie was going to be a hard movie. It's a big movie with a lot of ideas, a lot of stuff we'd never done before as a company, like shoot big water sequences and, um, have multiple, multiple dialects. And, um, there was a lot of stuff that we knew we had to get right before the extra weight of his passing. And then it was, okay, if we're going to make this movie, it has to be the best version of it that we know how to make. And it certainly wasn't an easy movie to put together from a production standpoint, uh, both again, because of Ryan's ambition as a storyteller. And then obviously, or maybe not, you know, Letitia got hurt and very seriously hurt in a, in an accident on our second unit um, that, that, took her out of commission for a while because she had to get healthy. So it it was not easy, but at no point, and I will say this to you, a little bit to speak to what you're talking about, at no point did the crew also say like, hey man, let's just throw in the towel, right? Because we can only make the movies that our crews support. And our crew really rallied behind Ryan and behind what the movie was about. And the rest of the cast rallied behind Ryan and, and really figured out how to get it done. And it took longer than we anticipated and and... There were tough days and Atlanta is a great place to shoot, but you do contend with weather and you can, you contend with all the other things that any movie does. COVID clearly like anybody else, we didn't necessarily shut down because of, we certainly shuffled our schedule quite a bit. Um, but to your point, we knew we had to get it right. Um, and Ryan knew, I mean, no one puts more pressure on himself than Ryan Coogler does. Um, and and at every phase of this, he he was trying to plus. He was trying to make it better. Going back to that first iteration of the script, had you, in your pre-production, was there already a lot of work that had been done where there were already a lot of models that had been built and storyboards? How much of that did you lose in going from phase one of the script to phase two? Yeah, there were, there were, um, there were certainly boards done that we tossed. Um, sequences with the character in it who was no longer going to be in it. We had started to build the world of Talo Khan and, you know, Hannah Beekler, our production designer, and Ruth Carter, our, our costume designer, were on and talking to our consultants, Gerard Aldana, uh, Dr. Gerard Aldana from uh, UC Santa Barbara, and really crafting Talo Khan specifically, because we knew that's where a lot of the, especially early R&D had to be. We had a pretty good handle on Wakanda. I think, again, famously, Hannah had built an 800-page Bible about Wakanda on the first movie. So there was reference material to sort of get that going, and and expanding on that world is fun, but certainly less of a challenge the second go-around. Talo Khan had to be as impressive with Wakanda, so that we were just getting into that. And again, when Chad passed, we took a bit of a hiatus for the crew because we needed to figure out what we were doing. And when we brought people back, essentially we said, look, we're not sure what the story is. We got to give Ryan and Joe Robert Cole, our writer, time to recrack it. But we do know Talokan's in. Like, let's just focus on the things we know. And and if you guys can help us push the ball forward on that stuff, uh, Ryan and Joe are really going to focus on pushing the ball forward on the new narrative. Uh, and they did. You know, and, and again, I think a credit to this crew who had been, the bulk of them who had been through it the first time with us on Panther 1, to figure out not only how to bring their best to the table, but also to talk to each other more and support each other more. Because again, this is during lockdown. This is mostly Zoom until we got to Atlanta. To figure out how to communicate and push the ball forward, sometimes on their own a little bit, was was pretty impressive. Now, Wakanda Forever, based specifically on any comic books from Black Panther or all original? No, not 
Yeah, not specifically from any run, based very much on uh, the global idea in publishing, which is true and has gone through multiple writers, that Wakanda and Atlantis in the books, Talokan and our films, found themselves at odds a lot because they were ruled by two men who who were both who were torn between being essentially the sovereign rulers of their kingdoms, but also superheroes in their own right. Um, and T'Challa, especially, which I've always thought was interesting and, and was most prevalent in the Christopher Priest run, a character whose sometimes moral compass was put at odds by what he had to do for his country. Meaning sometimes a heroic thing to do would be to do the thing that wasn't in Wakanda's best interests. And so he often found himself pulled between duty to country and duty to the, the greater good. Namor, uh, conversely in publishing, was always a character who put Atlantis first. And so these two characters would often do this because they had a different point of view as to just how the world should work. And so Ryan really took the idea of that conflict, but built the entire narrative completely new. Like that's whole cloth, the vibranium detector, Riri Williams, all that stuff that has existed in the in, in Marvel publishing, but has never been combined in the way that, that Ryan and Joe did for this film. So something that always fascinates me that I always like to ask comic book producers and writers is there was a point, and I'm going back to the 80s, with these superhero films, if you veered from, or if the fans got a sense, if you veered from the comic book greatly, you were done. Yep. Forget it. Yep. Marvel has this wonderful thing where you can veer greatly. You could take something mm -hmm. and it's not a hundred percent like it is in the comic book, but you can, you know, twist it a little and maybe put it on it on its head. I know that you guys have an impressive track record. You can continue to do this. Fans aren't going to get upset, but how do you get away with it? Is I guess the question, is it they've come to accept that? A little, yeah. The diehards are unfortunately only a small percent of what is the greater ticket-paying audience. I think I think it's a little both, to be honest. And it's funny, you know. One thing I remember, and this is before Marvel existed as its own company, and before I was here, certainly. I was an assistant at, at Columbia Pictures when they were doing Spider-Man One with Sam Raimi. Oh, wow. And if you remember at the time, the big change was that Peter Parker's web shooters would be organic. Right. So you're talking about 40 some odd 45 years of books where he had web shooters. He had to reload them, reload them. And and Sam really felt like, no, if he's been by a spider, why does he give ha half the powers of a spider? He should get all the powers of a spider. And there was a giant fear and a, as, as much of an outcry as you could have in 1998. Yeah. Right. Um, that fans are going to pick it. Oh, my gosh, you changed Spider-Man. And indeed, there was a little bit of like fans weren't happy. And they saw the movie. And it was good, and they loved it. <laughs> and it was because it, there was a respect to the source material. So even though you made a, a relatively big change, it wasn't because you thought it was dumb. It was you're trying to make it better. And that always stuck with me. And the second thing that I will say is comic fans are used to writers coming and going and reinventing their characters all the time. Like, that is the history of comic books. And so I think it, it is a bit of a misnomer to say fans won't let you change stuff. What I do think fans want you to do is is show respect to the stuff they love. So they'll go with changes because uh, there are changes almost every couple of years in most in most characters' lives that are big sea changes that you would say that that couldn't happen and it happens as long as it's good and it's because you're you're trying to tell a story that is respectful to the source material. I think fans will follow you just about anywhere. And to your point, non fans don't know the difference. They just want the best story. So. 
So I, I do think the idea that, man, you got to stick close to the source material as your toast is, is actually not true. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So we get this sequel. After watching it, I thought to myself, this is so much more than a superhero sequel. It is... Yeah. Great marketing game going in. Who's going to wear the mask? Far more than that. It's about this young woman who goes through grief and then also mm -hmm. learns about herself. She doesn't just mm -hmm. go and put on the mask. She, we really see her earn this. And then yes. her sitting down with, you know, with the, with the head of the Talacon. It, Namor, yeah, when they, yeah, yeah. In that in that moment, you know, after she goes to try to rescue Ironheart. Yep. When did it become that? Was it always Shuri who was going to earn it, or because you had other options? Yes, I mean, it it, it was pretty much always Shuri because that felt like the most emotional choice. To be quite honest, you know, Ryan said it best. Uh, uh, he said, you know, Shuri is the only character for whom which T'Challa was always in her life. Mm -hmm. She never lived a day without T'Challa. I was always her older brother. It's not somebody she met and fell in love with. It's not somebody she fought with in the wars. It's not, not really even a son she had when she was a grown woman. That was her person. And the, his absence would always loom largest for her. And, and we also knew narratively, and this was even in, again, the, the first draft, we had to contend with the notion that there was no more heart shaper because of what Killmonger had done in the first movie. So Shuri was always going to be the person to figure that equation out anyway. So you're dealing with what someone consider a, a, a plot mechanical problem and also an emotional need for a character. And it just made sense to marry them. And, and one of the things that Ryan did very early on when we were talking about this was to reach out to Letitia and make sure she was okay with this responsibility because she is an incredibly talented actress who even on the first movie didn't sign up thinking she'd be the title character of a movie. You know what I mean? She was like, cool, I can be a part of this ensemble and it'll be a lot of fun. And all of a sudden you go from that to, A, you're mourning somebody you were very close to and B, now you're carrying a giant movie. And that's a huge responsibility. And she's the female Q. That's the other thing. Yes, yes. And, and, the, and the ask of the second movie to your point from a character standpoint is completely different than the first movie, right? First movie, she gets to be fun and light. And it was all about Shuri being the fun innovator, the young fun innovator, the voice of the young generation. And now she is going through this rite of passage to some degree, uh, going through the stages of grief, which was, which was literally Ryan's pitch. Once we kind of got our sea legs again, well, this movie has to be about Shuri going through the stages of grief and figuring out who she is and whether or not grief will consume her, or she can come out the other side and be a hero. And one of the biggest fears that Ryan had, because he's very thoughtful, was that means she's not going to be in that Panther costume for the bulk of the movie. And we said, okay. Um, because it would have 
felt disingenuous to your earlier comment to have her in that mask in the first act. Like she had to earn it. She had to go through the fire and figure out who she was and whether or not she was right for it, for that to have any meaning. Otherwise it is just a costume. And and that's that's not cool. That's not interesting. On a lighter note, what's really funny in hindsight, well, I got to sit down with her in mm-hmm. Cannes for Silent Twins, which is another amazing yes. movie of the year, which more people should see. And of course, you always, you ask the Marvel actors, of course, they can't say anything. You know, like, right. you know, oh, who's going to take it over? And she's like, oh, I'm not telling you. Da, 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 da. <laughs> but in hindsight, it was always there. I'm like, the accident on the set. <laughs> I'm like, it was like looking back, it was always obvious she was going to get yeah. the mask. What I wanted to ask is, you know, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, I'm, I'm wondering what it was inspired by, is the bridge scene, uh, the car chase yes. bridge scene. Can you tell us more yeah. about mapping that out and what it was inspired by? And is that written in the script or do you figure that out? Does Ryan figure that out with his ADs and his stunt coordinators day of? No, it's written in the script. I mean, and it was something that Ryan was really interested in. Um, he knew he wanted a piece of this movie to be in America. He obviously knew Riri would be really important. And and he knew he wanted the Talo Keneal to feel almost alien so that when you learned of their past, it felt like such a stark contrast, right? So, so he wanted to contrast the fun of, man, Wakandans being chased by the feds, which we all kind of knew, like no one in the audience thinks, well, they're really in trouble. And then to gear shift and go, no, 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 they're actually in bigger trouble than they thought because there's there are people out there who are stronger than them and who have the same access to vibranium they have. And so when we were building that sequence, it was all about that gear shift of all the fun of the cars and the bike and Riri being really excited to dead serious. Like and and, and to introduce Atuma and Namor in a way that felt scary and not again. I don't want to, this is going to sound weird. I don't, the notion of a comic book movie, I kind of don't agree with as an idea because to me, it's just source material in the way that novels are or in the way that anything is. Um, But if you're talking about a tone or aesthetic, we didn't want it to be a comic book aesthetic, meaning something that felt pop or over the top. We really wanted to anchor in it in a reality of what would happen if people (laughs) literally jumped off a whale and landed on a bridge. It'd be terrifying. It'd be terrifying. And so all the music goes out. If you if you remember that sequence, you went from a really fun adventure to like, and Ryan was like, and then the music drops out. And it's just the creepiness of the quiet of the night. And Okoye faced with these people she's never seen before, and she's the only one there. It's sort of like first contact. And that was something that Ryan was chasing in the script. And then you board it, and, you, and it obviously our stunt team is fantastic, and they sweeten all the moves. But the idea of that scene was, was in the script. So it was Ryan that wrote that particular sequence? Yeah. Beat by beat, how the cars yes. come, how they traverse, the whale comes out, yes. the, the guys jump off. Yeah, the water bomb. He loved the idea of these water bombs. He loved the idea of the, uh, Riri getting harpooned, like all that stuff. I'm, I'm sorry, but no Fast and Furious film has ever done a sequence like that. It was just, it was really cool. Yeah. I think the thing with the scene, a car chase scene like that is always, how do you do something like you haven't seen before? How do you make it yes. as fresh as... Like one of my favorite car chase scenes is the end of Blues Brothers. Is sure, yeah. <laughs> that is just <laughs> relentless. And, and yeah, yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask you, and I know that you're working on the next Captain America film, but are there yes. other black 
superhero stories in the Marvel Cinematic Universe you would like to see be told? Oh boy, yeah. I mean, there's a ton. I mean, you're, you'll get a taste of it uh, next summer in the Marvels because Monica Rambeau, who was introduced in WandaVision, uh, and Tiana Paris does a fantastic job, but she's a great character from publishing that's been around again for decades. Um, there's no secret the X-Men are coming coming home. Um, and boy, if you talk about Storm and, and Bishop, those are two of the great characters in that franchise that that I certainly could pitch you ideas all day uh, of. There haven't been directors announced for that, right? No, we're early, early, early days, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's a fantastic character who's relatively recent in Marvel named the Blue Marvel. Uh-huh. Um, who It's fascinating. So he's a character who is almost Superman in strength and powers who in the 60s operated as a Blue Marvel, a masked character. But in a fight, his mask is ripped off and people realize he's black. And Kennedy actually asks him to go back undercover because he's scaring people because he's going to upset a, sort of the, the, the powder keg of the civil rights era. Um, and he's since been kind of reintroduced into the MCU, uh, not the MCU, to Marvel Publishing as a sort of a really smart, um, almost um, Captain Nemo character. Like he takes these great space voyages and he goes on these grand adventures, but he's a great character. Um, uh, but there's a, there's so many. I mean, there there really are a lot. There There's a lot of exciting stuff still to come. And then Harry Styles is Star Fox. Can we expect more of that? <laughs> I mean, that wasn't I mean, just done, was it? No, we certainly didn't cast Harry for a, for a tag. I mean, again, and a, a character maybe I have too much affection for because he's had some problematic runs in publishing. But that was your film, Internals. That's why I brought it up. It was, yeah, no, and 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 Chloe is a giant Harry Styles fan, um, and she was like, "We're like, it'd be kind of." Fun. I'd always pitch like Eros, he's really cool, and she's like, "It's Harry Styles," and I was like, "Are you sure?" Um, and she was obsessed and, and chased him down and got him into the movie. But there are more stories to be told with that character. He's fascinating. He has a really interesting connection with Thanos. Uh, they're half brothers. They share the same father. Um, he has an interesting power set. Like he's a complicated character, um, but a really fun character. And I think, I mean, I'm in the bag for her. Having met Harry Styles, he is as charming as you think you want him to be. And I think there's no limit to how, popular that character is going to be once we oh, get to gosh. bring him back. I, that's going to be the highest grossing movie of all time. <laughs> One thing I wanted to end with that I'm always fascinated by because I write about, I cover box office. The other thing that Kevin mentioned back at that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 thing was yeah, in regards to testing movies, he says, we do friends and family. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I think it was something like Disney employees, like the same set of Disney employees. And then of course there's a think tank like John Favreau, James Gunn, or what, you know, when James, when James could consult before the DC thing, is it really, there is nothing that goes down unidentified in Kansas city or in Phoenix in terms of you're able to figure this out. And he says, it's always the same kind of pool of people. Yeah, so essentially, not to get too much in the soup, but like they're all Disney employees. They get an email blast. Do you want to come see a screening? They never know what it is. Um, uh, and they, time was they could bring friends. I think we sort of tightened up a bit because frankly, people leak yeah. and it sort of ruins everyone. Um, but they show up and then we say, <laughs> we literally have, we have the same guy who asks the questions. His name's Andy. He's fantastic. 
and he goes out in front and he says, you're the first or one of the first audiences to see Pick your movie, uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And sometimes people are like really surprised. Oh, that's the one I wanted to see. And sometimes they're really confused. What's Eternals about? Uh, <laughs> um, and it's small. It's not a 350, 360, uh, you know, body NRG screening. It's typically between 80 to 100. And we do that, you know, three to four times a movie, I would say. And we, the only comps we use are our movies. So we can kind of see how it's fallen between Iron Man and Captain America. You know what I mean? Um, and not we're not trying to comp off of Creed or Speed Racer or things that aren't our movies, which is helpful for us just to sort of see where things are landing. I will say typically first movies struggle because people aren't as familiar. So they go, oh, Captain Marvel, I'm not sure. I'd rather see Iron Man. Okay, that's fair. Um, and typically sequels, you get a little bump because people are already, it's Black Panther. I, I, I like that anyway. You know what I mean? Um, so that's the one group. And then we have an internal group that has been called Parliament for reasons that are too goofy to get into. But it's just all of us who make these movies and shows. Um, and you, you get a pretty unvarnished response to your film um, that is not motivated by anything other than we all want everything to be great. Um, and and I think between those two groups, you get an interesting cross-section of ideas. And and you definitely know when both groups are saying the same thing, hey, that's a problem. Sometimes you'll get, you know, more um, producer notes versus normal people notes, and you have to decipher which one is, is valuable or if they can coexist. Um, but it is an interesting process, and it, and it has not led us astray so far, you know? Will we see more direct... Marvel movies to the Disney Plus service or no? No, I mean, we, um, and Kevin is, a, we all are, yeah. like we're huge fans of the theatrical experience, you know? And and one of the things, one of the benefits I think of us being able to do Disney Plus series, frankly, is that they can coexist. The series can be on your service and the movies can be in theaters. Um, and, and that's something we would like to preserve for as long as we can. And Disney's been supportive, which is great. I am a believer that, we're going to get to the Oscars here. <laughs> I am a believer that this film, this film is going to get there. I'm going to end on that. I'm not even going to right. ask the question. <laughs> hey man, from your lips to God's yeah. ears. <laughs> I'm just upset about the globes. That's my, my only thing. And I'm kind of shocked. Like I'm very happy for, for Angela. Yes. That was a surprise, but I wouldn't be a reporter if I wasn't asking, were you surprised yeah. by, by the Globe nominations, or is it just that's the nature of these? It's just the nature of award season. You come up high in a some, little bit. You, what's interesting to think about is that's not usually where we live anyway. Right. So it, it for us it's all gravy. You know what I mean? We're we're we certainly obviously are, would love and are, are always honored if people think of us for that stuff. We get more of a kick out of the fans going to see the movie, um, and that doesn't mean look. Personally, yeah, I would have loved to have been nominated for the Golden Globes, but I go, look, people seem to like the movie. That's all That's all we can control, right, is trying to make a movie that audiences love. What happens to it after that, you know, we, we leave up to people smarter than me, but um, I'm just really proud of this movie. I really am. Nate Moore, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, Anthony. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call Podcast on Deadline. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode.